everybody welcome back this is another episode of swedgelock southeast texas talks i'm your host buster caballero along with my other co-host logan boatwright how are you doing today logan doing great buster how are you i'm wonderful i'm wonderful and we have back on the show chitum chris chitum hey. how are you doing, man pretty good guys thanks for having me back good so everybody this is a webcast about fluid systems innovations applications engineering Lots of different topics we're covering right now. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in if you're either watching on YouTube or listening on your podcast. We've got some great stuff going on today. Logan, take us into it. What's, what are we discussing today with our man Chittam here? Yeah, thanks, Buster. So today we're here to talk about construction or really just projects in general. Um, if you're listening to this webcast, you're likely very aware of all of the projects, construction, turnarounds, everything that's been pushed back or postponed just because of the COVID pandemic that's going on right now. Um, that said, while a lot of projects aren't necessarily happening right now, they are still being planned for right now. So today we have on Chris Chittum, who was already introduced. And if you recall the last time Chris was on, we talked a lot about construction and how Swedgelock handles construction from a global perspective. Today, we'd like to talk more about how we handle construction projects from a local perspective and all the different aspects and everything else that we're involved with to, you know, help our customers be successful on these big construction projects. So without further ado, we'll, we'll go ahead and get started. So, Chris, um, Last time, like Logan said, we're talking about from the global perspective, but once once that really gets down to it, that has to happen somewhere. So when a project reaches the site level, there's a lot of work that's already been done on the front end of this. Uh, yeah. Tell us what's already been done on the front end of that. Yeah, so, so when by the time you guys see a project at a site, um, there's usually been two, three, maybe even four years of work that's gone into that beforehand, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, like feasibility studies that happen. So that's just um, the owner company or the operator going in, working with, say, an engineering firm and saying, hey, can we really do this project? Would it be profitable? You know, can we make it happen in the current market? Once, once that happens and they decide, yes, let's go, they usually go into something called like pre-feed or feed. And feed is front-end engineering and design. So basically what they do is after feasibility, they're confident that they can actually you know, execute this project in some manner. They go in and they do all the upfront big ticket like engineering items. They understand kind of you know, how many big compressors do they need? What do the different units look like? You know, do they need to change anything from a previous project? <clears throat> and they're really looking at just, you know, what do they need to move forward before they get to like bigger stages of, you know, final investment and detailed design. And Chris, when you say, when you say they, in that sense, you're, you're talking about the owner company or are you talking about the EPC or both? Both really. So, so a lot of times these days, 
Um, some owner companies and operators will go and do like competitive pre-feeds or competitive feeds. And so what they'll do is they'll contract multiple EPCs and they'll give them the same problem, kind of same like work set and say, Hey, go in and design us a, you know, a petrochemical plant. We wanted to do this, this, and this, you know, give us this much output in this specific area of the world. And then those EPCs will then work compete against each other to come up with the best design um, to do it, be able to do it the quickest, the cheapest and give the owner company what they want. Um, so that's what I mean when they do that front end engineering design, they're really working to understand what they need to do at that EPC level to win and build that project. Okay. And Chris, just more on the, on the feed stage. Um, this is when they lock in things like specifications, like the, the different specs of what they're going to use. And this is when they start doing engineering work. Is that, is that right? Yeah. A lot of times an owner company or an operator will have a basis of design that they use, whether it's in previous plants or, or different assets that they have. They'll send that package, that engineering package to the EPCs and they'll design around that, right? So like the specification for like instrumentation tube fittings, however, maybe like a, a smaller portion, but it is an integral you know, portion to a plant because our, our products are everywhere. Like they'll call out what type of fitting they want. Sometimes they'll have a standard, hopefully it's, you know, swage lock. Um, and they'll call out those key things. They'll tell the EPC what kind of valves they want or what kind of, um, uh, you know, specifications that they require from their owner company. So those specifications are developed and reviewed by the EPC and they're ensuring that they meet those during feed, right? They want to make sure they encounter and run through everything. So they're not surprised once they start designing and building. That's whenever they start going with the approved vendor list and the approved material list, correct? Yeah. A lot of times they'll have those at that point, right? So, um, you know, as a, as a salesperson, when I'm attacked, when I'm going in and talking to an EPC during feed or pre-feed, you know, my goal is to understand what the project is, you know, what kind of sites they currently run around the world. Um, what is their standard for say instrumentation, tube fittings and valves, hopefully it's swage lock. And normally they have those, those, uh, AMLs or those approved vendor lists. And we try to get those and to review them, see where we are on those. If we're not, can we do some work to get on those? So from, a, from an engineering support perspective, I know we get involved a lot of times on the feed side of these projects. Can, can you tell us about you know, what we do from that side with our customers during these stages? Yeah, so, so from the EPC side, we, we really go in and we we see if there's any differences from previous projects that we've worked on with other EPC or that EPC. Maybe it's a similar type of project like a chem or petrochem plant, or maybe it's LNG. So you kind of know what type of products are on there, but you really want to understand, you know, what does the owner want out of this project? Is it a is it a lump sum turnkey project or is it cost plus? Um, you know, we want to try to see what the specifications are. So if we can, you know, review those specifications with them, um, understand like if it's a, a chem petrochem or LNG plant 
on the Gulf Coast of Mexico? Can we help them with material selection? Can we look at um, making their PNIDs more efficient? You know, maybe using integral tube fittings or using process monoflanges. Um, you know, standard products that we offer that they may not be using on their standard PNIDs. Okay. And is this where we would get into looking at some of the things that we might assemble for one of these big projects, whether it's, you know, seal support systems or um, even something like sample panels or control panels or, or something like that? Would that happen in the feed stage? Yeah, it's a great place to talk to EPCs and owner companies um, about those types of products, right? Because there's you have plenty of time before final investment decision and detailed design happens. So it's hard for EPCs to kind of jump around and look for those applications. But once they come to them, you want them to understand that Swage Lock can be there to help, um, you know, help look at those PNIDs and pull out sub-assemblies or look at grab sampling or seal support and say, instead of going out and, you know, building that in the field or going to a different vendor, you can consolidate vendors and look at Swagelock for a single solution. Um, so feed really is a good point. You don't always find all the applications in feed just because they might not have gotten there, but you can find some that will really help the project. Awesome. So, all right. So we've, we've completed feed. All right. Then what, what happens next? What's the, what's the next step? So a lot of times once feed is, is finished, um, the operator, the owner company will select an EPC, right? So if it's a competitive feed, the, the EPCs have submitted their bids, just kind of like we submit bids to our customers, right? They turn into a bid. It's just much bigger. Um, they review it and then they pick their EPC. Um, that's when you get a news release, right? You read in the paper that such and such EPC has been selected for this project. And then we, we get excited and we go make sales calls and, you know, the guys at the job site want to go find out what's happening. Um, so they select their EPC and then there's usually a time period in between. So now it's time for the operator to go find all the money that they need to build this. And usually that we call that FID or final investment decision. So in between FID and that those feed uh, stages, there's usually something what a lot of EPCs are calling bridging. So bridging is engineering activities that still happen and the EPC is getting paid for, but they kind of move at a slower pace they're not as fast as they would be going in detailed design. Um, they make sure they get the, um, you know, really expensive equipment specified, all that stuff lined out. So when they do get FID, they can go and move. So that's kind of what happens in between that detailed design or EPC phase that we talked about. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to play. So I, I've worked with some of the EPCs on some of these projects that have been happening at my site. And, you know, and one in particular in a project, we, we worked on grab sample panels with the customer and we, we sat down with them and we reviewed kind of what they were looking for. And we got together and eventually came up with a design. And so that at this point in the project would have already happened. Is that, is that right? It could. It depends on your relationship with, um, you know, with the EPC and do you find the right people. 
Um, if you can find the right people and find those P and IDs and that scope of supply for like grab sampling and they'll pull it for you. Yeah. It's, it's a great time to do it before then, but, um, definitely in detailed design and EPC phase, um, they're going to start seeing that scope at some point. Um, yeah. And so I guess one of the things we want to make sure that people listen and know is that, you know, we, we do regularly get involved from an engineering side, you know, at, at, in, on the very front end side of these projects. And that's a lot of times where we can bring a lot of value because this is, this is our area of expertise. You have engineers at, you know, the EPCs and the owner companies that are working on a, on a huge project. And we realize that we, we come in on a very specialized kind of almost like a niche basis. And that's where we're able to really add a lot of value with our, with our engineering team in these projects. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of three, three phased, right? It's myself that would be calling on the EPC constantly, no matter what the project is. It's you guys at the site that are very specific, you know, with that site, that type of process. And then it's our field engineering team that whenever we can get in there and have that scope pulled for those special, not specialty items, items that are used across all these types of plants, like grab sampling, but sometimes those systems are left Till late in the project and then some people you know some epcs or projects scramble to get those out so we can work with them early look at the standard designs with our field engineering team and say hey you know these are these are great maybe we can help you um, make these more efficient or more importantly make these safer um, by designing those up front so that when they do get to detailed design you know they're ready to go awesome so from that standpoint, it looks like you know there's a lot of the a lot of the technical work being done ahead of time on this, you know, from the feed state to the bridging to the FID, and then it, it looks like you know you're now at this point, are you trying to start moving dirt around? You're doing your civil, your infrastructure on the on the site itself. People are starting to move trailers in and out on that, or, or are we more in still on a design phase of that, or is there that overlap while these two are still happening on that side? It depends really like where the site is. Um, I know, I know some projects that are early on civil, like there's maybe there's things that really have to get done for that project. So like if like for LNG export, you know, they might, there obviously has to be like a, a channel there for boats to get in. So maybe they got to dredge, the channel out to make access available. So that stuff goes on early. There's got to be pipelines put in. Um, it it kind of differs, but it really depends on where the site is, how much, you know, infrastructure is currently around them. But typically, but before you get into like EPC or detailed design, there's dirt work, right? People are out there. Civil is out there. Um, you know, you'll probably see trailers move in closer to FID, where we, where our stuff is concerned, um, you know, in FID and then getting in detailed design, people actually being on site that we can talk to. And when those people are on site and Logan and myself are going out there, you know, we, we've got our stylish FRs on and we're pulling up these trailers and we're spending a lot of time out there. We're already familiar with the sites. Uh, uh, these are the times whenever we're actually getting even a little further on the PNIDs and reviewing them with the customers on the fittings and the valves and, and, and different things that have already been spec'd out, different components for these, and how we can 
maybe best deliver these to the customers, whether it's a, a kit, a bulk order, the inventory that we had talked about before. Uh, I, I know sometimes we get out there and we're looking at a customer trying to order valves with female NPT ends, and then all of a sudden there's you, you notice if there's 100 valves, and when I say 100, it's probably usually more like 1,000 valves, and then you see 2,000 male connectors going in, and it's something that might have been missed or overlooked or just commonly done where you say, hey, why don't you just eliminate, get a valve with tube fitting ends and say and eliminate all those other leak points. At that point, you know, in the design phase, how are we, how are we working out with that? So that, that's very common, right? And that's just a part of us going in and making sure that we're working with those instrument designers and those um, control systems engineers to make sure that, you know, we can review PNIDs for them, help them make things more efficient. Maybe they're not aware of a product that we have, right? Some, some manufacturers don't always have integral tube fittings on all their products, maybe some, but, but then they have to go to like those female ended valves. Um, whereas on Swage Lock, we have most of our products come with integral tube fittings. So, those are efficiencies that we can definitely help with um, by helping reviewing. We can work with them on training, whether it be for their construction team or the people that are going to be on site. You know, you guys deal with that daily, um, you know, trying to get your technicians up and trained. That's critical to a successful, you know, plant being designed and built. So, Chris, we, we talked a lot or we end up having different kitting discussions um, in this stage, right? So I know there was there was one project where I called on the, the end user, which was a plant, but by the time it got to the plant, everything was already kitted in these, in these nice little job packages um, for the guys to just say, hey, I'm, I'm working on this job. Okay, here's your, here's your kit full of parts. And that was, that was awesome for the guys doing the work at the field. And that came from, I'm assuming, you working with, the EPC on it. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's been several uh, projects and customers and EPCs that like to do that. So, you know, on the instrumentation side, the control system side, that's where our majority of our product goes. Um, and each one of those instrument loops um, has a list of parts, whether it be um, a pressure gauge or multiple tube fittings, you know, male connectors, crosses, unions, tubing. Um, normally, the technicians, when they go out to the field, they would have to go look at their specific PNID, go to the warehouse, pull all that material, you know, put it in a box, take it out, and then put it all together. Um, some EPCs have figured a way out and do what they call kits, and they just take all those components, put them in boxes, and they label them for specific, you know, instrument loops. And then that way their technician can go grab, you know, five boxes every day, all the right components are in there. He grabs the length of tubing he needs and it makes his job that much easier um, in the field. He doesn't have to worry about someone going in and grabbing a handful of stuff when they only need two. Um, and then he doesn't have enough. So, you know, that's definitely something that we've worked with, with our customers to, to make their construction side more efficient. Great. So we've done pre-feed, feed, FID, and bridging, and then we've gone to detailed design. So, the, I mean, that's that's a lot of the steps. So most, most of the beginning, 
for, for the project has already been done. And, and guys like Buster and I who cover the actual plants at this point, we're just now starting to get involved. Right. So we start seeing people out on the side, the trailers pop up. Um, you know, they, they may or may not have, have already bought the, the bulk buys for the plant. There's been a lot of engineering, our, our own engineers were very likely involved in that process. So it, it just goes to show, and I guess I'm going to ask you a question, how important is it for us to get involved so early on the front end of these projects? It's the most, it's one of the most important things that we can do. I mean, I, we can't stress that enough on the construction side. If we're not involved in pre-feed and feed in those early stages, it is so hard. Like say we miss out on a specification, it's nearly impossible to change it, right? By the time you get to detailed design. It, it's just not going to happen. All that time they've spent two, three years developing specs and PNIDs. It, it, it just doesn't happen, right? So the amount of effort it takes to do it at that point is insurmountable. So it's critical for us to be involved early, to get you guys involved early, to understand, hey, is there you know existing facility there? What's the standard specification? Can we work on some stuff? You know, is there any safety issues that we can work on? Um, you know, so it's critical for a customer to specify early so that they, there's no confusion, say all these, there's no confusion when they get to detailed design and then the EPC starts issuing packages, right? Out to all these vendors across the Gulf coast. Um, you know, whether it's your analytical package or compressor packages or seal support. Um, if you don't specify a tube fitting early, and you send out a hundred different packages and you get back a hundred different packages with 50 different tube fittings on it, tube fitting manufacturers, you're going to have interchange intermix all over your site. You could have leaks, you know, mismatched installation procedures. You're going to wonder why your plant's not operating, you know, as efficiently as it could be. So for us to go in early get a solid specification to standardize. And then that way those packages go out it's critical for your customer. So a quick story on that. Uh, I was involved in a building of a, a, a high density polyethylene plant and trailers got on there early. I'm talking with the end user, the customer, we're working with the EPC on site. And of course, and Logan, you could probably chime in on this also is, you know, we, we get there as soon as possible and we hear, hey, you're a little early for instrumentation. The instrumentation is kind of the last bit. But I would continue to go and show up and, you know, we're talking with them and one day I ask, hey, has anybody reviewed your your specs, the some of the bill of materials on items? And the lady said, well, we, we got one question about a valve that's on here. We're, we're, can you give us some information about it? Sure. And so when I look at it, they're going with a 45S8. And if you're familiar, SS45S8, which is our 40 series ball valve, half inch stainless steel. And when I looked at this, I was like, oh, is this going to be for a lab? And they say, no, this is out in the field. I'm like, okay, how many of these are you looking at? And they're like, well, it's close to about 500 of them. <laughs> well, what's missing there is whenever it was done, a 45S8, the temperature rating for that is the lowest is 50 degrees. Well, here in Texas, getting surprisingly, it can drop down to 30 and 20 sometimes at night. And maybe we've all had this call before. Hey, I've got a, a valve leaking. 
And when we looked at this, I said, all right, you're going to have all these valves. And once it gets cold, they're all going to leak. You need to add one little designator of T and make it a SS-45TS8 in there. And that gets you down into the negative temperature. So you have that protection. And that valve, we quoted it for them. And it didn't get ordered for another almost four or five months. But imagine if we, you know, we would have just not been that, that far ahead on something as simple as that. You could have had 500 leaking valves in a plant. I mean, yeah. it's so that's very awesome. list. What's that, Logan? That's a good one for the next uh, top 10 list. Yeah. But yeah, and the point, the point is, or, you know, what I take from that is when you get and you're, you're blowing and going and ordering stuff left and right, that's not necessarily something that our customer would catch, nor is it something that we would catch on the back end, you know, once the order's already being placed, because things get really hot and heavy towards the end of the projects when the instrumentation's going in. So being able to talk about that stuff beforehand is, I mean, that, that's, what's, that's what's key. That's what's key to finishing, you know, on time, and in this case, you know, safely with, with products that work. So good, good example there. Mm. Totally agree. Always look for that 45 series yeah. when it comes to projects down here. Yeah, I know. I think I have an alert like set up on my uh, outlook and everything of his FSS 45 SA to just ding me and that way I can get a hold of it. But that's just one of the little things. So, you know, now let's just say this we're in the construction phase, things are moving. Logan and I are out there probably two or three times a week. What's the next things that we do? in order to help out there um, with being on site with them. So you obviously want to be involved heavily in training. So there's going to be, there can be multiple contractors out on site. We can do all of our training to make sure that they're certified for installation, tube bending, um, even for inspectors, right? We offer a course for our inspect for inspector level um, certification. That's definitely critical. Obviously, um, you know, EPCs try to catch everything they can on those bulk buys, Logan, like you said, but there's going to be like top up orders, they call, they call them. So, I mean, having inventory nearby or even on site, like a VMI or something that we manage, like a construction trailer is something that we offer that you guys are very familiar, familiar with. Um, and then just coordination between your team and my team, the OEM team that may be working on packages that are critical that are coming in, you know, making sure those are on time. Um, the other thing that we do a really, we, we work to do a really good job on is to coordinate directly with Swagelock. So say if it's a product that's being, you know, um, ordered and it's got some special elastomers, making sure that those don't fall through uh, the cracks as far as deliveries so that we can get those to the OEMs on time so they can deliver. So that's the other part. The other side of this is making sure that we, you know, follow through on those lead time, um, you know, promises and, and get stuff to the project on time. And, and you, you hit on this, but I, I just want to make sure that everybody's listening knows um, we, we do have, Somebody available for call out 24 7, 365. So again, when it comes to the end of these projects, you can you can plan it nearly perfectly, but you know, unless it is perfect, there's gonna be something at the end of it you need. You might need something at three o'clock in the morning. And and if that happens, we we do always have somebody 
available. If it's not in your inventory, whether you're managing it or us, that's 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 definitely a, a value that we <laughs> that we do add. And you'll uh, deliver it at three in the morning. Yeah, we've, we've, we've done it before for sure. But hey, that's what we're here for, right? Yep. And and you mentioned the training one and the inspectors one. That right there is probably one of the heaviest impacts you can get for like what you're putting dollars for something. Having that guy being trained and then trained to check. Because whenever we go by, and we'll, we'll talk about this probably next subject, and I may be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but knowing has all the tube fittings been pulled up correctly, when you think of the amount, you know, of in connections out there, it is, it's ridiculous. How many? They're all over. They're yeah, all that, over. Every unit. Mm-hmm. I, I was, this morning, I was at a facility working on a construction job of a, of a pilot plant. And they're getting ready to start up and commission. And I, I remember going in there and they were telling me everything they had done. And I had my gap inspection gauge and just going and checking. And there was a row where some weren't pulled up yet. And it's, it was like, oh, man, yeah, we had fitted those up and then something happened. So knowing what to look for on that side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially on, like you said, that part or what you like during commissioning and startup, there's, you know, a a pretty big role that we can play there. Um, I know that with Nathan, I know you had Nathan on a couple of weeks ago talking about startup services and commissioning, whether it's like grab sampling that we sell to a project, Nathan can be out there to make sure that those things get installed correctly along with our field engineers. Um, But then just going back, like if you have a specific area or package that, you know, you want to to double check that that's installed correctly. We can help support you know that aspect of those those areas. And and it's this is one of those things that I, I feel like we're always out there like offering and saying we're going to do like no we we have our inspectors. Okay, yes you you do, and I'm I'm sure they're very well trained. But man, if we can just come behind and get a gap inspection gauge and just make sure that the fittings are pulled up tightly, even or properly that can that can save you so much headache when you when you pressure this unit up for the first time and and maybe not have some fittings pulled up or we we had another construction project that that i was working on and there was no training beforehand and on every single one of the manifolds that goes to the transmitters there wasn't any teflon tape used on the half inch npt threads so expensive Super expensive because you have to replace every single one of these manifolds out in the field and every single one of the fittings. So, I mean, those are all things that can be remedied by training, but also things that you can catch by just just having somebody that, you know, again, we we only rep swage lock, right? So we know our product line fairly well. So let us come out to the plant and and just gap inspection gauge some some things. So. Yeah. And like you mentioned just now, you know, we rep swage lock. The the recent construction job I was on, we go from tube fittings to valves to the hoses to the actuated ball valves to the assemblies to all this from one thing to the other, where sometimes, you know, if you're dealing with that, you're gonna deal with one one person for this item, you have to go deal with another person for that item, another person for this one. Uh, and that's one of the benefits that I think, you know, we bring to our customers. And that's something I've heard is when we're talking our whole gambit of what we do, 
we can cover it all. We don't, you know, we'll bring Nathan on because he's our services guy, but I could promise you, you know, we're walking right along with him, picking those up as we go. So. So, yeah, I guess commissioning is the final step of the process. We, we've talked about just about all of them. Chris, is there, is there anything else that we didn't cover that we might've missed that we should talk about here? Um, not, I mean, obviously you guys, you've, you've covered a ton of it. I just know that, you know, we can be a critical part to, to these construction projects and we can definitely help out, um, a lot all the way through engineering, all the way to startup and then through the life of the plant, right? You guys are going to be there. Our field engineers are going to be there. We're going to be training. Um, so that's, you know, we can be those partners with these customers that we, you know, we need to be. So, um, Perfect. Well said. Yeah. Chris, thanks a lot for coming on the show again. Um, I know some of the things we talked about today, we did touch on in a prior episode with you, but we were really able to take a deeper dive in here today. And like you said earlier, you know, the, the key to, to success, you know, on, on these projects is to get, get involved early, get us involved early, get us in there. We can really help out on the instrumentation side of things. And, with everything going on right now, projects getting delayed, maybe maybe there's some extra time that can be spent on these projects on the front end to make them run more successfully when they do reach the construction stage. So maybe you have a little bit delayed feed or, or elongated feed section or, or you're spending some more time in detailed design. Well, let us, let us come in and, and help you there. It can only benefit you in the long run, if you let us come in and do it. So we, we know that construction projects are all about finishing on time and on budget. So let us, let us help you out with that. That's, that's what we're here for. And that's what, you know, all three of us, plus however many other salespeople and engineers and, and Nathan out there doing commissioning startup services. That's, I mean, that's what we're all here for. So. Totally agree. We can also help on piping. Don't forget piping. We can do that too. So um, that's something that we can definitely help out with. Yeah. And that's my goal right now is to work with these customers that are on these projects that may not be going forward immediately, but, you know, let's get out there, find where we can bring value, you know, be that strategic partner um, and be good to go. So I, I appreciate you guys having me back. Thanks. Oh, thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, everyone, that's the end of our show for today. If anything that we've talked about uh, kind of resonates with you, if it gets your mind going, go ahead. We're going to put some links in the show notes and in the description below so that you can go ahead and click on it, any of our services, our construction. You'll have one easy click. Get a hold of us. As always, you can reach us uh, at sset.swedgelog.com. Uh, all of this is going to be in the links, too. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn. YouTube and podcast platforms. We're trying to put this content out at as many places that will reach you. Uh, if you work in the industry with someone that you think may also benefit from some of the information, please go ahead and share that out with them. That's a that's the invoice we're going to put out for you today. Just go ahead and share this out with fellow people on LinkedIn or wherever you're uh, talking about this information with. As always, thank you all for watching. Next week, we're going to have another show coming up. Uh, and can't wait to see you all again next week. So everybody have a good day.